Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And we're recording this while the Brewers are still in the playoffs. But by the time you listen to it, they'll probably be out of the playoffs. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yes, we are. Uh, we're right in the midst of a marathon Oakland A's White Sox game that is two and a half hours since first pitch. And we're in the top of the fifth inning. Yeah. So by the time this game ends... God, the, the you know the NFL season might be over for all we know. Unfortunately, that's true. We're going to touch on that. We're going to talk about the MLB playoffs, but let's start with the NBA Finals, where uh, I guess all of the maneuvering and machinations to get Anthony Davis to LA were worth it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, it's one of those moves that uh, you know, and I and I've read this on you know from various Laker folks on Twitter that have. have you know, made this point, and it's true that all that all that rumination about oh, you can't give up this much to get Anthony Davis, and you know, it, it was one of those trades that to this point has certainly been worth it. Um, you know, you, you, you would you trade, you know, for potentially good but not quite good yet players for one guy you know is really good. That's a tough call sometimes, admittedly, um, and and you know. The history books may end up looking back differently. I mean, you know, if the Pelicans end up with, you know, Lonzo and, and uh, you know, Ingram being great or something like that, hey, maybe maybe we'll judge it differently. But right now, yeah, it certainly looks worth it because uh, it is, uh, you know, him and a, and a healthy LeBron have put the Lakers back, uh, you know, in the in the seat of power, basically, in, in the Western Conference and the NBA. Yeah, LeBron James... Uh... Not really slowing down. Triple double to close out the yeah. uh, Western Conference Finals, and then nearly a triple double to open yeah. the finals. One yeah. assist yeah. of I mean, a triple double. It's, it's amazing. You're 17. I mean, and and uh, you know we talked about it before. Essentially, three extra seasons worth now of playoff games that he's played as well. So I mean, you know, if you look at 82 game seasons. Um, and he's never really missed that many games in a season. I think last year was the most games he missed. He missed about 15 to 20 games, I want to say, with the, with the groin injury. And then, you know, they shut it down at the end when it was done. Um, you know, amazing durability, uh, you know, and, and just continued high-level play. Um, you know, I mean, we've seen guys go 17, 18, 19 years, but usually by this point in their career, they have faded some, and, and then maybe they're still good. You know, we saw it with Duncan, we saw it with Dirk, we saw it with Kobe. Still good, but not, you know, superstar level anymore at this point of their career, and he still is. Yeah. He's great. He's yeah. one of yeah, the greatest yeah. to lace him up. He really is. He really is. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, I don't know, we'll see. You know, I don't think this series is over. I think we judge too quickly on, you know, one game. But, uh, you know, just judging on what has already been accomplished, you know, 10 NBA finals in 17 total years, but 10 in the last 15, because, you know, his, his first two, they didn't, you know, he went to a horrible franchise that didn't make the playoffs his first two years, although second year, I think they were over 500 and missed the playoffs, um, is, is remarkable. I mean, nine out of 10 is, is unbelievably remarkable. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's something that, you know, I don't think we would have ever expected to see somebody be this good for this long. It's amazing. And he's going to have to defend Earth in Space Jam 2. So 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's that's true. And, and, and it's like you know, so the one year he missed the it. finals is when they played the Monstars. That's so. true. That's true. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's uh, yeah. It, it's been an amazing career, especially for a guy who, you know, who came in with very high expectations. Uh, you know, it's something that I think we've talked about. It's it's the you know one of the reasons that I root for him is is kind of similar to Tiger Woods in that. It's very hard to, before you've ever done a single thing professionally, have people expecting that you're going to be the, you know, one of the greatest player ever. Um, and to live up to that is hard to do. You know, for every one LeBron, there's, you know, 20 others who are supposed to be a prodigy. And, you know, whether it's Sebastian Telfair or Felipe Lopez or, you know, I mean, any number of guys who were supposed to be unbelievable prodigy player and they didn't turn out to be. He did. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, the Heat didn't look great. Uh, and now they're going to have to, well, I, we can't say for sure, but it seems likely that they'll be without Bam and Dragic. Uh, at yeah, least at least for a game. Team. Yeah, yeah, so. that's what I mean. That seems to be the thought. Who knows, I guess. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I'm, I'm hesitant to overreact to just one game because, you know, this happened in the Nuggets series. They came out, they blew him out in game one. Charles Barkley was on the TNT set post game with his broom and, you know, and yeah, they beat him 4-1, but the remaining four games of the series were much closer. You know, game two was a buzzer beater. Nuggets won game three. Game four and five were, you know, were tight contests down to the near the end. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I think I'd hesitate to read too much into one game, but it certainly, you know, one game looked like the Lakers were the better team, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, the other postseason which we touched on going on, right? Well, first the lightning won the Stanley cup, which, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, you know, I wanted to say on here, I mean, we, we don't talk a ton of hockey, but God, I mean, give give hockey a lot of credit for what they pulled off, and and they pulled it off in a sport that has history of labor rancor, the only sport that ever missed an entire season due to a labor you know problem. Uh, they pulled it off without a hitch. They 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 were first to agree to a plan. They beat the NBA back in terms of here's what we're going to do. They they exercised that plan. They we're going to do two cities. We're going to combine into one. We're going to have 24 teams. And by God, they they accomplished exactly what they said they were going to accomplish, which, you know, Gary Bettman takes a lot of heat. The NHL takes a lot of heat. They shouldn't for this. They, they deserve a lot of credit for what they pulled off. I agree. I, I think that they, you know, every league is, is adjusting their plans sure. on the fly. But what they were able to put together was very smart. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and... and, and, and and decisive. I mean, I think that's the best. That, like, now, granted, there was less attention paid in the American media, at least, to what's the NHL going to do versus what the NBA is going to do. But boy, April and May was just like constant. You know, well, the NBA could do this, or they could do this, or they could do this, or they could play here, or they could play there. The NHL basically it was like, here's what we're going to do: coming back with 24 teams, we'll pick two cities. They pick two cities. We're going to start at the beginning of August. They did. We're going to finish, you know, end of September, early October. They did. They've got a draft coming up next week. I mean, they, they went right through. Not only that, but they they signed an extension to the CBA. 
a, a league that thought they were headed for a work stoppage in a year or two is now not. So I give them a lot of credit, again, considering that it's led by Gary Bettman and Donald Fear, who, you know, have in the past presided over, I mean, in, in our stoppages. lifetimes, the only, <laughs> the only two, you know, seasons that didn't have a champion, NHL full season, baseball, you know, no World Series in 94, you can trace those back to partly at least to Gary Bettman and Donald Fear, and the fact that they, you know, have worked together well enough is remarkable, honestly. Yeah. And baseball now is taking their chance on this uh, postseason. We found out that for the first time all year, there are going to be fans uh, in Texas for the NLCS. LCS and World Series. But not the DS. So they will play one more round, apparently, without fans. Saw that, yeah. uh, Yeah. Before allowing fans. It's going to be interesting. You... It's the the thing to me that is surprising about this is we're seeing coronavirus numbers rising again and, and everyone sort of projected they would rise in the fall. But you weathered the storm, MLB. You you made it here. You got even the Cardinals played all the games they were supposed to play. The Cardinals right, and the Marlins, right. the two teams who yeah. were in the worst shape, made it and made it to the playoffs. Now you want to start screwing around with this? Like, you know, I, I don't know. It, to me, it seems like, why not just get through and then, you know, accept the loss and, and move on? And yeah, I guess yeah. the idea is, if you can, you might as well. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think, I mean, it's, it's a little um, weird, I guess, in some ways to have fans at a neutral site, too. I don't, you know, I don't know, like how much you're really going to have. And, you know, let's say the, just for argument's sake, let's say the world series is, is the top seeds. I have no idea if it will be, Um, but let's say it's LA and Tampa, you know, that's not an easy trip for anybody to make. You're not going to have a lot of time to, you know, plan to make it. Um, It's not like the Super Bowl where you get two weeks ahead of time before you have to go and make your trip. So I don't know how great it's going to be, but, you know, uh, like some atmosphere, I've, I've noticed it in the football games. You know, the football games that have had some fans in the stands have had a, a better atmosphere than none at all, uh, you know, to watch on TV. And so I, I, you know, I think if they can do it, why not do it? Um, you know, I mean, it's been interesting to watch the Braves game the last two days. And there's no fans in the stands, but there's a giant crowd of people outside watching the game on, on you know, the, the you know scoreboard video or whatever that they have outside. Like, well, you could put them in the stands and they'd be more spaced out there. Um, so I like, uh, why not? I think. I mean, you know, if, it, if if you can do it, I say go for it. Yeah. Well, and that seems to be the the overall attitude. Um, you know, the the flip side, which I guess we can loop it in, is the NFL had their first issue after the week three games. Yeah. Uh, with the Titans. The Titans had a coach test positive uh, and not let him make the trip. Then the agreed upon rules for this season, there would be no testing day of the game. Right. So the coach test positive the day before. There is no testing the day of. They return back to Tennessee, and then reports come out Monday and Tuesday, really breaking on Tuesday, that there were three positive players, then four positive players, uh, including ASU's own Tommy Hudson. 
I saw that. I didn't know he was with them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was that was news to me. Is he a practice squad guy? Admittedly, I don't know. He is a practice okay. squad guy. But okay, yeah, I saw the name and I thought, hey, I know that name. And then there was uh, the first discussion was they were going to postpone the Titan Steelers till yeah. Monday. That's now been reworked. I don't know if it's confirmed, but I believe the conventional wisdom is they're going to move Steelers. Ravens, Ravens, right? Uh, since each team had eight, a bye I week, think, or something like that, it yeah. was going to be seven. The Titans' bye was week seven, okay. so instead of having gotcha. a bye, week eight they could play. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the team that this shakes out the worst for, assuming everyone on the Titans recovers and stays healthy, is the Steelers, whose bye week got moved from the middle of the season to right, right now. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean it. It. Uh, it kind of sucks for them, I suppose, because yeah, your normal bye week is you know, hey, you get to you get to get away. They they spent you know three days doing game planning. Probably had practice yesterday, uh, so yeah, not not the traditional bye week for them. But uh, you know, I like what Mike Tomlin said. I read Mike Tomlin's you know comments. I heard what he said yesterday before they postponed it, and and he's being very practical. Like, hey, this is this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna go play. And I, you know, so I heard he was asked today, you know, what do you think about playing, you know, 13 straight weeks after this? We don't care. Like, that's what you got to, that's the mentality you got to have. This is, this is, you know, the hand you're dealt. Uh, take this week off and, and then go the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, for the Titans, they had some injuries. So this, this may yeah. be a bit of a respite, but obviously True. injury or no injury, you need to get this under control because we saw with baseball and one of the benefits for the NFL of seeing baseball go first, if you don't get it under control, it spirals quickly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the, the, obviously the advantage, I mean, it's sort of a trade-off obviously in football, you can't play, you know, double headers to make up games or something like that. That doesn't work like you did in baseball, but the advantage of football is, you do only play one game a week. You're not, you know, so it's not like, well, they played this team this day and then they played this team two days ago and they played in there five days ago. And, it, you know, so it's like, okay, you, you know, you do what you can. I mean, we, I, let's say this, I don't, I don't want to sound cynical or know it all, but I don't think this was, uh, this was an inevitability. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's touched every corner of life um, to, you know, the NFL wasn't going to be immune to it, um, and and hopefully, and I think they do have people that were smart enough to say, well, we got to be prepared to do X, Y, Z when this happens, readjust games, and even the possibility, I would say, of, of you know, if you have to, you push the postseason back a week or two, and you and you make up games at the end if you have to. You don't have to yet, but if you have to do it, you do it. You play the Super Bowl in mid February if you have to. You know, like that's that's okay. There's there's no rush. Yeah, uh, they want to get to that schedule soon. Anyway, that's that's the whole idea of the seventeen game season is to move the Super Bowl back. So this this may be a year early. Uh, breaking news! Don't know if you saw it. Uh, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has I did reached a deal to become the coach of the 76ers. The process continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be uh interesting. That's a that's a team that you know feels like almost in some ways feels like the window was there and it's, and it's closed on this core. Um, I don't think they should, you know, completely abandon it, but do you have to make a choice between Simmons and Embiid at some point soon? 
maybe like this off season soon. I think so. I think like so it just too. it doesn't seem like it's working. Um, it's a tough choice because I think Embiid's the better player, but he's so oft injured. And and if you build around him and he's injured again, then what? Uh, you know, but but you know, if you give me just healthy both players, I'm taking Embiid ten times out of ten. Well, and it's interesting because if they had gone with D'Antoni, which is what it seemed yeah. like they were going right. to do, um, I think you would maybe prefer Simmons because imagine what he could do as your point guard. The, the things he was able to get out of Harden, who had never really played true point, point. guard. True, true. You know. The Simmons-D'Antoni marriage would have been interesting because you're right. You know, he's good with obviously making guys into good point guards, but also all those point guards for him have been shooters. Hard's a shooter. Nash is a shooter. We know Ben Simmons is not. And and so would that have worked? I mean, we'll never know now unless unless Simmons goes to another team and D'Antoni gets that job. Um, it, you know, it's one of those that I'm, I kind of thought, eh, could be good or it could really be a bad fit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the Doc Rivers move is interesting. Uh, we talked about Doc, I think, last week or the week before. Um, you know, I think he uh, probably gets a little too much credit um, as far as like, you know, I think sometimes he gets lumped in with the with the great coaches in basketball. And I don't quite think he's deserving of that, but he has had a, a fair amount of success. He's got an NBA championship. He, you know, certainly the Clippers poke the franchise history of the Clippers is horrendous. And, you know, him, the time he was there, it's pretty darn good. They never well, got over and the And that's the thing is he but, has a sustained very good. I think his, he does. I think his track yeah. record is like a rich man's Jeff Fisher. You know, yeah, that's, he, that's he, fair. Yeah, he's I, not I always would, uh, he's better than five hundred, but yes. he's not great. But he's never really. I mean, it's hard to say he never got over the hump. He won a title with the Celtics and he got to another Finals. So I probably shouldn't say that on a team that had three Hall of Famers, four, three Hall of Famers. Yeah, maybe four if Rondo ends up making it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, which he could. Um, so yeah, I mean. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, Doc Rivers' coaching career is an interesting one. If you want to be cup half-empty guy, you could say he failed in Orlando. Uh, he was failing miserably in Boston before they got Garnett and Allen. And then all of a sudden, Garnett and Allen and Pierce made him into a genius. Um, and then he went to the Clippers, and he had, you know, two different cores of multiple All-Stars and never got past the second round. If you want to be cup half full guy, you could say he won a title in Boston, first title they'd won in 22 years. He got to another finals two years later, um, and he went to a terrible franchise in the Clippers and had them annually in the playoffs and as a you know upper echelon Western Conference team. Everything I just said is true. So depends on how you feel about him, I guess which which take you want to have. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in the camp of pretty good coach gets a lot out of his players, but doesn't necessarily get everything. Right. You know? Right. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it'll be an interesting fit. I mean, I, there's going to be pressure on in Philly. There should be, uh, you know, the, as you said, the process continues. Well, people's patience with the process is over and they got to, but I mean, last year they got to the second round in a game seven against the eventual NBA champions. And then this year it was first round sweep out. They were terrible on the road all season. They they no doubt took steps backward this year. So the, the pressure is going to be high that 
it's, it's time to start delivering something on this team. Um, the last NBA topic I had, I don't know if you saw Kyrie Irving's quote about he finally has someone who he can... It's like, just just stop talking. He doesn't ever say good things. Kyrie should really... Yeah, I, I, was, I saw it. I also saw the quote about, you know, I don't really think of us as having a head coach. You know, KD could be the head coach and I could be the head coach. And, like, boy, yeah, he should really stop talking. And kind of one of the... Like, look, Kyrie made the shot that gave them the lead in Game 7 against the Warriors. And that's a huge moment. But if you take away the three years that Kyrie played with LeBron, and, you know, that sounds like a stupid premise, I realize, but take him away, what has he accomplished? Absolutely nothing. Like, he was a bust his first three. uh, Not a bust, but the team was terrible before Mm -hmm. LeBron got there. They were in the lottery every year. We go back to college, his year in college, he was hurt, and then they flamed out in the Sweet 16 when he came back. Then he goes, you know, to Cleveland. He does nothing for three years. Then LeBron joins him. They're in the finals three years in a row, big time. Then he leaves for Boston, gets hurt. They do better without him. Then he's healthy in Boston. They do worse. Then he goes to Brooklyn, gets hurt. I mean, what has the guy accomplished to, to gain this position of import in the NBA on his own? Almost nothing. Well, and he's a, he'll talk, and he'll say crazy things. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's it, you know, and, and I— like I'm, I say this sarcastically because I'm tremendously glad that the Cavs won that finals over Golden State. That's one of the greatest finals I remember. But in some ways, it might have been the worst thing to ever happen because it gave this guy like influence that he really hasn't earned, and we we treat him like he's a uh, you know top five player in the NBA. And and I say on his own. I mean the whole on his own thing is kind of a, you know, I, I say it. It's probably a dumb thing to say. Nobody accomplishes anything on their own in the NBA. But, you know, away from LeBron's cocoon, he's done nothing. And he's had opportunities. He had a good team in Boston, did nothing with him. Got hurt this year. You know, we'll see what he does with Durant. But to this point, like, outside of LeBron's wing, nothing. So shut up and do something on your own, basically. Well, and the Boston thing, there are two parts to that. One, which you touched on, that they played better when he was not in the lineup than with him. Yeah. And and the other part, the just tremendous locker room cancer he became. Exactly. You know, exactly. He made yeah. it, no yeah. one told him to make a statement to the season ticket holders that I'll be here as long as you'll have me. Right. Which apparently made him feel the obligation to burn down that relationship so they wouldn't have him anymore. <laughs> it seemed that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, like, it cannot be ignored that. He was in Boston for two years. This was his first year gone. On the first year when he was there, they, you know, he was injured, missed the entire postseason, and they got to the conference finals. Then he leave. Then he's there. He's healthy for the postseason, and they get bounced in the second round pretty easily, from what I recall, by Milwaukee. Then the first year after he leaves, they get to the conference finals again. So, you know, circumstantial evidence would tell you they're better off without him. Yes. And, and obviously, he didn't carry the to Nets. Be a great player. He, you know, he didn't do what we talk about with other great players, where no. he willed them to the postseason. The Nets uh-uh. were terrible. And, no, and, and and you know, and yeah, the, the Nets. I mean, they got to they they what they what they were the eight seed or seven seed this year or something like that. But they, I mean, they were an under five hundred team. The Nets were better last year before he got there. 
mm-hmm. they got in the playoffs this year because the East really only had six good teams. And so Brooklyn and Orlando made it. But, uh, you know, like, yeah, I mean, the, the Nets, now granted, the Nets, you know, they had other injuries. They, you know, I mean, the Nets are building for 2021, 20, 22, et cetera, with this Durant. I mean, once they made the Durant signing, they pretty much signaled, like, this season's a wash. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to, just again, to this point, Kyrie's a lot of a lot of um, style and very little substance. Like you know, oh he you know he can dribble the ball. He's the best ball handler in the game. Well, that's fantastic. What's he really accomplished? He he won an NBA title, but he won a title as LeBron's wingman. Let's just call it what it is. LeBron was the the man on that team. Then he wanted to lead. He wanted to be the man on his own. He didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow. And since then, eh, very eh, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, I was looking that up yesterday, actually, because I was talking to somebody I work with and they, you know, we kind of started talking about LeBron and I'm like, you know, the, 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 the argument that like, oh, LeBron only goes to teams that, that are in position to win. Well, LeBron chose to go to the Heat and the Heat hadn't been out of the first round for four years. He chose to go to the Cavs, back to the Cavs. They had been missed the playoffs for four straight years before he got there. Then he chose to go to the Lakers and they had missed the playoffs for five straight years before he got there. So it's not exactly accurate. Yeah. It's more LeBron elevates everyone around him. And look, to yeah. him, I, I don't think this is a knock on him. I think it's to his credit. He also gets guys who want to come play with him. He does. He does. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, good veteran guys. And granted, he's had, I mean, I, you know, okay, so the flip side of that argument is, well, but he's played with Wade and Boss and then Love and Irving and now Anthony Davis. Well, outside of Wade who won a title in 06, you know, got to the got to the Eastern Conference Finals the year before, won a title in 06. Look at what those other guys have done when they haven't played with LeBron. And I looked it up yesterday. Number of playoff series, one. Chris Bosh, zero. Kevin Love, zero. Kyrie Irving, one. And Anthony Davis, one. So if those guys were that amazing, wouldn't they have won at least a few playoff series without playing with LeBron? That's a very good stat. I'm a little disappointed that you did research going into this, but <laughs> I didn't know we were going to talk about it. But uh, yeah, I, I I had time yesterday, and I thought, you know, it, it kind of started with me thinking about Irving and Love because I knew that you know Love Love had never even been to the playoffs with Minnesota, um, and and so I thought, well, you know, like how many do they have? Well, Irving has the one with Boston last year, first round, and Davis has the one a couple years ago with the Pelicans. That's it. Bosch never won a playoff series away from LeBron. Kevin Love has never even been to the playoffs away from LeBron. Yeah. He's good. LeBron's good. I mean, I know you're not anti-LeBron. I'm just, it's one of those things that like, gets thrown out there and it kind of, you know, perception becomes reality. Oh, well, he hooked up with All-Stars. He did. True. But those All-Stars have accomplished a lot more playing with him than without him. So there's something to that. Yeah. I think you could also make a bit of an assessment on the coaches outside of Spo. Sure, sure. What have the coaches yeah, done without LeBron? Almost nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw this is this is the fifth different coach he's gone to the finals with. Um, and yeah, I mean, Spolstra was four. Ty Lue was three. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, admittedly, Ty Lue hasn't gotten another job, although he might. He might be the new Clippers coach. I know that's a possibility. Um, uh, you know, David Blatt was certainly, Dave Blatt was in over his head. I mean, he got that job before LeBron decided to come back, and it was a disaster. They still got to the finals because the talent was so much. Uh, Mike Brown, certainly 
you know, a mediocre resume outside of the title of LeBron. And mediocre is generous. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, GMs whose careers he's made by the decisions yeah. he's made. Yeah, yeah it just, true. David Griffin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I'm i not saying that LeBron is the perfect I mean, he, you know, he can, I think, at times be a, a bad teammate. He, you know, is not the easiest player to coach. Um, but, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather deal with the problems of having LeBron on my side than <laughs> having to go against him, put it that way. Agreed. Well, we still don't have a Pac-12 schedule to go over, which means no. we have a 2007 ASU schedule to go over. That's right. That's right. Our, our last year of college as college students. This is the, I'm going to say triumphant, beginning of the Dennis Erickson era. Oh, it was. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a good start. And it, it, it quite honestly, there's many times, including this conversation, when we talked about the NBA finals. And I said, you know, well, I hate to jump to conclusions too early. The 2007 ASU season and Dennis Erickson is a big reason why I hate to jump to conclusions too early. Because after that season, we thought, and I was saying it, and you were saying it, and a lot of people, boy, that was a great hire. Things are really looking up. And they weren't, which we'll get to as we get to those seasons. But 07, was good. So to give the uh, overall, ASU finished 10-3, 7-2 in conference. We were the co-champions of the Pac-10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were. Thanks to uh, John David Booty's mid-season injury that, that uh, cost USC a couple games, and Dennis Dixon's late-season injury when they, you know, went from undefeated to I think losing three in a row to end the year. But yeah, we were. So ASU opened the year non-conference: San Jose State, Colorado, San Diego State, all at home, and they were all comfortable wins. 45 yeah. 3, 33 14, 34 13, just to kind of yeah. keep it balanced. Yeah, and you, you make a, a, a good point right off the bat when the theme of this year to me was that we got some schedule breaks, and certainly having all three non conference games at home, a rarity. Generally, we would play two and one, or maybe even at least a neutral site game. This was a rare occurrence, and I, I don't know why. I don't know if there was maybe a rescheduling of something. Um, but to get all three non-conference games at home is not something that we usually had. Right off the bat, got us off to a good start. So we build momentum heading into a September game against Oregon State at Sun Devil Stadium, which is uh-huh. the preferred way to get Oregon State. Yeah. Uh, it didn't start out that way, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. We were down 19 nothing at yeah. the end of one. 19 nothing after one, yeah, I remember. And, and I remember... Uh, by that point, I was working in the media relations office there as a senior, and I remember the feeling around the press box was, well, reality set in for this team. Uh, here we go. You know, this team really isn't that good, and, and they're about to be exposed, but wasn't the case. Well, this is the kind of game that I think is why ASU fans think they have a home field dominance yeah. in, in yeah. early season games, because we are down and getting smoked, and then as the game progresses, we stay strong, get stronger, and Oregon State wilted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and this was uh, uh, this was a good Rudy game, too. I got to, you know, we, we talked about Rudy last week with 06 and how is, you know, some of those games, the numbers were just horrible. 
Um, but, you know, threw for 361 yards, four touchdowns, three of them in the third quarter when we were down uh, 26 to 13, I think. And he threw three touchdowns in a row, um, you know, to, to put us ahead. He played well. And, and uh, it was also the game that he cursed on the radio afterward um, because he was doing a live on-field interview. And it was the end of live on-field interviews for <laughs> ASU football players because of that. Yeah. Hey, that's – look, it's like SNL. You, you, the wrist, yeah. the tightrope, <laughs> and every once that's in true. a while somebody falls off. That's true. That's true. But, yeah, I mean, he, he played well. And Ryan Terrain gave us 91 yards rushing. I mean, it was, it was a good game. Like, you know, Mike Jones – 124 yards. Terrain had two touchdown catches too. I didn't remember that. Um, I mean, this this was uh, outside of the first quarter, a very complete performance. And and yeah, I mean, it was one of those that at the end of the first you thought, oh boy. And by the end of the fourth, you thought, wow, this team might really have something special. And they kind of did for a while. They rode that momentum for a while. Yeah. So then they go to Stanford when we hadn't won in California, right? In an entire coaching administration. Right. Um, and we we walked in and put it a beatdown on the Cardinals. Beatdown. Beatdown. Now, admittedly, as we've discussed in these recent seasons, bad Stanford team. Um, but it was a beatdown. I remember Omar Bolton had an interception return for a touchdown. It was a, it was a thorough beating from minute one. Uh, hmm. 41-3, and the score was indicative of how lopsided it was. ASU was ranked going into that game, then at 23, jumped up to 18 for another road test at the Cougars, and this one, more exciting. Yeah. Uh, sh- uh, scoreless first quarter, which, imagine with Cutter or Leach having a scoreless right. first quarter, right. but, but this True. is that, that nice window where that can happen. Different. Different era of Pac-10 football at the time when uh, yeah Washington State was not known for its explosive offenses and ultimately the Dennis Erickson ASU teams weren't either. This was this was a pretty good offense that year, but yeah yeah it was it was different, no doubt. But you know ASU improves. We're already six and zero. Yeah, and a little a little love to Thomas Weber with the game-winning field goal there. This was of course Thomas Weber's freshman year. His best year. Rosa award-winning year um, when he kind of came out of nowhere was, was you know, an afterthought before the season. Nobody really gave much thought to, oh, we're going to have a great kicker. And I think, didn't he go like 24 or 25 on field goals that year, something like that? Yeah, it was a dominant performance. It was a great year. And, yeah, I mean, he had the game winner with 50 seconds to go. Um, and, yeah, we, you know, back-to-back road wins in conference is not something that came too easy to ASU. And, uh, yeah, put us at 6-0 and and feeling pretty good about ourselves. We then get bumped up all the way to number 14 in the country. It's it's heady times for yeah. the Sun Devils. Yeah. And we take on Washington at home. And it's another big, convincing victory. Yeah, yeah. I, but I believe, if I remember right, it comes with bad news. This was the end of Ryan Terrain. I believe that's correct. The Liz Frank injury. Yeah, he got hurt. Because I think we had the bye week, and then we played Cal. You know, not to jump ahead to that one. But Cal was supposed to be like our big litmus test. And I think Terrain, and yeah, I'm looking at that box score. Terrain did not play in that game. And that was that was the end of his ASU career because he was a senior. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good win. We beat them solidly. Now again, a bad Washington team, um, but a, a good win that you know put us at seven and zero going into our bye week. Which I remember before that season, I think talking to you and probably talking to other people too. With the schedule, you know, we started with four in a row at home, and then Stanford, Washington State on the road, but neither of those teams were very good. Like, boy, everything breaks right. We could be seven and zero going into that bye week, and you know, I think it was like, yeah, sure, everything will break right, and it did. We were seven and zero going into that bye week. Uh, for a for a, a sidebar story, Ryan Terrain appreciation moment. Oh yeah. For this season, 110 carries for 553 yards. Which is amazing for a yeah. half year's work. Yeah. You're not going to find two guys <laughs> that, that don't have the last name Terrain or don't know Ryan Terrain personally that like Ryan Terrain more than we do. We are big Ryan Terrain guys. I, I, I just think that that was stunning. And that injury I, likely prevented him from becoming a Ring of Honor type player at ASU. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was a Juco transfer, so he didn't have the long time here, but he had a very good 06 season. I mean, he was one of our bright spots in 06 offensively when we, we didn't really have a lot of bright spots offensively as we, you know, talked about last week, that was a rough, rough year uh, on offense overall. And then yeah, 07, I mean, he was the man. Like we had Keegan Herring, we had Dimitri Nance who continued to play pretty well. But Terrain was was the guy. There was no doubt about it that he was the guy, and and it hurt that team. You know, I mean, they, they still finished with a good record, but kind of kind of one of those what if moments, like we talked about several months ago. What if Ryan Terrain stays healthy that year? Is that a you know, could that team have gone eleven or twelve wins? <sighs> Maybe I don't know. I mean, that sounds crazy to say, but I don't think it's that crazy. Well, here's why it's not that crazy. We come off of our bye, we're the number seven team in the nation, and we're taking on the number 18 Cal Bears. And if I remember right, uh, Cal, I think the week before, had lost their first game, and if they had won that game, they were going to be number one in the country, whoever was number one. Because remember, this was the bizarre 2007 college football season when Kansas and Missouri and West Virginia were all in the national title picture at the end, and LSU ended up winning with two losses. I mean, this was a crazy season. And I think Cal, I think they lost to Oregon State. And I'm going off memory, and I don't know if you've got it in front of I've, you. I've got it. They um, had lost to UCLA. Before they, us? They were the number 10 team in the country. And so maybe they lost two weeks before, because I want to say they were playing – they were, I think they played they had, somebody yes, the night that they we had, played Washington. They were number two in the country and then dropped a game at home to Oregon State. Oregon State. Okay. Okay. Because that was when we played Washington because I remember following the score and, you know, I was in the press box. And, like, you know, they, if they had won, they were probably going to move to number one in the country and they lost. And then, okay, they lost again the week before that. I didn't, I didn't remember that aspect. But. Yeah, but they had Deshaun Jackson – I mean, it was thought to be a pretty darn good team. Uh, Nate Longshore was the quarterback. Now, if I, again, going off memory, I think the Oregon State game, he got hurt, and Kevin Riley came in. I know Kevin Riley was their backup. So it was even kind of excused, like, well, boy, they probably would have won if not for that. Now, as it turned out, this Cal team wasn't that good. They went 7-5 and five during the season. But they but were supposed the to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, two weeks out, when we won, we beat Washington – 
and they were undefeated going into that week, and we that was the game that everybody had circled. Cal was going to be our test. We'd beaten unranked teams. We'd beaten bad teams on the road. Now it was like, okay, can you know, if we beat Cal, we're for real. That was at least how it felt. Well, and the skill position players for Cal at the time were Justin Forsett with his backup, yeah. David Best. Yeah, and then Deshaun, NFL running backs. Yeah. And yeah. Deshaun Jackson at receiver. I mean, that's that's not bad. Yeah, I mean this this was a this was a solid team. Now, and I think, I mean, what a couple years before, well, three years before is when they then they had Rodgers, and they got you know nearly got to the Rose Bowl. But the year before, they won ten games. I'm looking at their, you know, the two oh six. They won ten games. I mean, this was this was prime Cal. Now we've talked about how like we got Stanford when Stanford wasn't good. This was good Cal. Yeah. You know, they went through a run there with Tedford in the mid-2000s where they were, aside from USC, a standard bearer for the conference, basically. Well, and, and they went up 13 nothing in the first, and, and their touchdown was defensive by Cameron Jordan on a fumble recovery. Wow, yeah, okay. I forgot he was on that team. Yeah, yeah. And see, this was another game. We were down early. Uh, you know, this, this team... I remember, you know, it's a team that I cite a lot of, like, just that feeling of having put together some wins early. We just had that feel that, like, we, we weren't going to lose. We didn't panic. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, in, uh, many other ASU teams falling down 13 nothing at the end of one would have been game over. But it wasn't for this team. This team just kept coming back, it seemed like. I mean, it was 13 nothing. It was 20-7. to And then Dimitri Nance punched in a touchdown yeah. just before the half. We came out, you know, in the third quarter, another Nance touchdown, and all of a sudden we got the lead and we yeah. don't look back. We dominated them in the second half. They did not score, and I, and I mean, I remember the game. Like, I, I remember being, so my my job that year for media relations was that I would go to Erickson's office after the game and I would record his radio interview, and I'd type it up. And I remember being, you know, in his office on the on the old fourth floor, doesn't you know not the coach's office anymore and looking out at the end of that game and we stormed the fans stormed the field which in hindsight you know we should have we were the higher ranked team that was a big win for asu and i remember thinking man this team is good like something's happened here uh it didn't turn out to be true november exposed us a bit but that was a high point uh, like of, of asu football for our four years in college i think you could say this was the high point win where that night you thought, we are really good. We are a really good team. And we just won a game to prove it. Well, I think that's borne out by the fact that we jumped up to number six in the country, which yeah. is by far the highest ranking we had in college. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we talked in 05, and that 05 team I think was pretty good, and we, we could have beaten LSU, and we could have beaten USC, but we didn't. And this was, this was the first time since we started at ASU, that we won what was supposed to be a big game. Now, granted, Cal didn't turn out to be as good as we thought, and, you know. but all you can do is judge it in the moment. And this was a big game, and we won. And it was a, that was the feeling of like, wow, we got the right coach. We, we, we made the right decision here. We're on the right track. Again, history proved that wasn't true. But for that night, for that week after, it felt pretty good. I got, we were riding high as ASU fans at the end of October and early November in 2007. Halloween was a party, and then the party stops on November 3rd when we go to Oregon. We go to Oregon, and, and that game day game. 
game day was there. It was it was the marquee game of the week because Oregon, I believe, only had one loss going in. They were seven and, and one. We were eight and yeah. zero. They were fourth. We were sixth. I was gonna say they were in the top ten as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and see that win over Cal was such that it made us really believe, or at least made me believe, maybe a lot of us, that we could win. We could go to Oregon and win. It didn't matter that they were number four in the country. That they were lighting teams up. Didn't matter. We could win. And we hung in there. We didn't really get badly outplayed. Well, what was, happened was, they, I, I'm looking back at the box score. Oregon does Oregon things. They score a minute yeah. and 13 into the game. Yeah, yeah. Then we drive down and settle for a 19-yard field goal. Yeah, yeah. Then Jonathan Stewart, touchdown catch. Jason Williams, touchdown catch. And it's 21-3. And it's right. like, oh, same old ASU. Same old ASU, yeah, yeah. But then we put together two scoring drives in the second quarter, get, yeah. a, get a touchdown and then a field goal, come back to open the second half with a booming field goal, a 50-yarder as opposed to a 19-yarder from Weber. Yeah. And and that's as close and as we we're got it. But we're, we're, it's, yeah. it's 21-16. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a game that... It's been 13 years, so I, I, I can't say I remember all the ins and outs of it, but you mentioned the 19-yard field goal. And I, I remember watching the game in my old apartment and and thinking, I remember the frustration of thinking, we are leaving opportunities there. We should be, you know, like, and that 19-yard field goal is a perfect example. Like, we're inside the five. We need to score touchdowns. Um, and, and, and I just remember that being the feeling of the game, like, it wasn't lopsided. It really wasn't. Like we had opportunities to win that game, and we just couldn't quite get it done. They were just—they were just better than us. I mean, they, they earned it. It wasn't a fluke, but it was one that was like, man, we we could have we could have been in that game. We could have won that game. Yeah. Uh, after Weber's fifty-yard field goal, Oregon, uh, Jonathan Stewart touchdown run, Drew Davis touchdown catch, and it's thirty-five sixteen. Yeah. ASU added a late Brent Miller touchdown catch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. By that point, yeah. Brady Leaf was in the game, as you mentioned last time we talked. <laughs> the, uh, the Oregon victory cigar. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I mean, it was uh, it was a reasonably good effort at 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 Austin against a really good Oregon team. Like we've we've had some embarrassments against Oregon. We talked about one last week. When we talked about 2008, we'll talk about another one. Um, <laughs> This was one that was like, you know, okay, we lost and it was disappointing, but you came out of it thinking, eh, you know, we're, we're still a pretty good team. We, we hung in there. We were not outclassed by a team that many times around that era did outclass us. Yeah. And we held Jonathan Stewart under a hundred yards rushing, which yeah. in that yeah. era, pretty impressive. Was not easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, he had 99, Dixon had 57. I mean, you know, yeah, the, you know, Dixon threw for four touchdowns. I mean, that's that's the killer there. 13 completions, four touchdowns. Um, obviously, you know, giving up bigger plays than we should have. Um, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't a bad effort. It wasn't good enough to win. Um, you know, it and the USC loss a few weeks later were the, the exposures that we were good, but we weren't great. We yeah. left the Cal game thinking – this team might be great. And I remember the Oregon game kind of, it was a reality check. Like, uh, okay, we're not great, but we're still good. And Oregon had a conference loss at that point. So we still had a chance to win the conference outright. And it got better because I believe 
following Thursday or Friday, it was a weeknight game, Oregon, well, remember, Dennis Dixon got hurt in the game against us. Yeah. He hurt his knee. And, and then, then he tried to, to Tucson, play. And he played, and, and he blew it out even worse. Mm-hmm. And, and they lost. I, I'm looking it up here. When was the Oregon loss? Because I want to say it was before we played another game. I think it was the following. Well, no. Okay, they had a week off. They played Thursday, November 15th. It was their next game, but they had a week off, and well, they lost and, to Arizona. And it was before we – so then what we did is we went to UCLA, yeah. fell behind – you know, we're ranked ninth Again. in the country still, fell behind 10 nothing, yeah. but managed to claw back, make it – a uh, field goal game at halftime. Weber, another fifty-plus yard field goal. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that season, man. Fall behind, claw back, control the second half. I mean, that that was just kind of what that team did, and, and they they won a lot of games with a sort of an ugly format to it, but they were still wins. So we we beat UCLA. Keegan Herring, by the way, in this game, a seventy-one yard touchdown. Yeah, run. yeah. UCLA's only second half points was a kickoff return. So another another game that we controlled the second half, just like Cal, we shut them out in the second half. Did the same thing to UCLA. I mean, this this was a again, this team had something to it that a lot of ASU teams that we followed just haven't had. They might have been more talented. This team had grit and and the ability to pull games out that they probably shouldn't have. So then number eleven USC comes to town. As you mentioned as you mentioned since we played, Oregon had lost. We had yeah. one loss. Oregon had two. USC had two. Yeah. Controlled our, our destiny. Number seven team in the country. Not only controlled our destiny, but still had a fairly decent shot at making the national championship game if we won out. If okay. we had beaten USC and beaten Arizona, this was before conference title game for us. Um we would, and you know, we didn't know it at the time. But remember, all like we were talking about, all the craziness that happened late in that 07 season. LSU lost the second game. West Virginia choked against Pitt. Uh, Missouri lost in the Big 12 title game. Like if we had won both games, we probably would have been in the national championship game. As crazy as that sounds. So USC comes out right down the field, touchdown. ASU answers back with a Rudy Burgess kickoff return touchdown. I recall. I recall. Yes, yes. It was one of those that, like, well, okay, we're, we're here to play. We're here to compete. And then USC field goal, USC touchdown, ASU, Rudy Carpenter touchdown drive, and uh-huh. we end the first quarter 17-14. Yeah, a, a crazy first quarter. You know, second quarter, Weber kicks a field goal. All of a sudden, we're knotted up at 17. But then USC, field goal, and then a touchdown with under 10 seconds left in the half. Yeah. On a QB run by Booty. And we're down 10 at the half. And and you just you just felt it go away. I remember Slipping the away. feeling in the yeah. stadium. It was yep. just like, no, nope, we had it. We were there. Yep, 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 yeah, because you're right, it was 20-17, to 17 and they score with nine seconds to go in the half, so that's a drive where, you know, if you hold them to a field goal, you're only, you're down by less than a touchdown, you're feeling like, okay. And you're getting the ball to start the, the second half. Right, right, yeah, that, that was a killer, and then I remember the third quarter, and really the whole game, like, I mean, if John David Booty had just played that one game, he would have been a first-round pick. He looked so good in that game. He ended with uh, I mean, four touchdowns, 375 yards passing. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, he was—he had a good college career. And, and he know, ran for a touchdown. <laughs> he did, yeah. I mean, he was good in college. He got to a, a couple of Rose Bowls, and you know, I—I'm sort of joking, you know. But boy, he looked good that night. And Rudy really did not. He got—they had six sacks of Rudy. Um, it was. This just, was, it the, was a game that. This was the Rudy Carpenter holds the ball to not affect yes, his completion percentage. Yes, yes. I mean, and, uh, Lawrence Jackson, if I recall, just owned him. Let's see. Or, yeah, Lawrence Jackson had four sacks in that game and a forced fumble. That's pretty uh, good. That yeah, was pretty good, yeah, yeah. I mean, now this USC defense, listen to the names that led, led the team in tackles or sacks or whatever. Kaluka Mayama, NFL player, led the team in tackles. Lawrence Jackson was a first-round pick. Everson Griffin, still in the NFL. Taylor Mays was, I think, a first- or second-round pick. Cedric Wright, or no, Sharon Wright. Cedric Ellis, uh, Ray Malaluga, Brian Cushing. Uh, Malcolm Smith, Super Bowl MVP, Feely Moala. This was a good team. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's no denying they had a lot of talent defensively, and they showed it against us. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> I mean, that's loaded from every position. They had NFL guys on all three levels, multiple NFL guys. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, our offensive line, which how we've made it 11 games into the season without talking about it is amazing. It was bad that year. Uh, we we won in spite of a really bad offensive line, and it was exposed big time in that game. Yeah. Uh, Rudy spent a lot of the game looking up at the lights at Sun Devil Stadium and the upper yeah. deck that used to be there. Yes, <laughs> yes. Look at the uh, rushing numbers that we had. Total, now this includes sacks, 35 attempts, 16 yards. That's not good. That is a hard way to win. Leading rusher was Dimitri Nance, nine carries for... 19 yards. Yeah, Keegan, Keegan Herring had 11 carries for five yards. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. That's really bad. That's not good. It's uh, not. Yeah. You know, it It was tough sledding. We were not getting much traction at all against no, that team. No, they were the better team. I mean, that was the thing. Like, the Oregon game, you left thinking, boy, we left opportunities on the field, and it was a road game, and... Ah, gosh, you know, if things had gone just a little different, that was a game I remember leaving and thinking that team was just better than us. And had they not had the midseason injuries that they did, they might have been playing for the national championship that year, too. They, I mean, that was a really good USC team that kind of went through a midseason lull that cost them. So they still they still ended up in the Rose Bowl, so it didn't cost them that bad. But uh, they they could have been a championship team that year, I think. Well, and as we talked about, you know, had we gotten USC during that midseason lull, right, and then got the blown out leg of Dennis Dixon, right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, so USC's losses that year. I'm looking at that. That was the year they lost to Stanford, 24-23, when Stanford was like a 40 point underdog or something like that, mm-hmm. um, on a last second touchdown. And their only other loss was on the road at Oregon with Booty injured, backup quarterback Mark Sanchez, my hero making I think his like second career start and they lost by seven. They didn't get they didn't get dominated by Oregon. Uh, and you know, so eight points separated them from being undefeated that year. We move to the final game of the regular season, taking on the U of A. And this was a fairly mundane territorial cup game. Yeah, it was it was a typical um, you know 2007 ASU game. We didn't get off to a great start. We were down at the end of the first quarter. 
I, you know, if you go back, I could, how many of these wins were we down at the end of the first quarter? As we've talked about it a lot. This one was only 7 nothing, But uh, we were down at the end of the first. We took the lead. And then we just hung on. And what I recall very well was we were up by 10 late in the fourth. And Arizona had a possession, like maybe two minutes or so to go in the game. And went for it on fourth and goal rather than kick the field goal. Didn't get it. And they ended up scoring a, a touchdown with like 20 seconds left or something like that. But they should have kicked the field goal and got within seven. It was a poor coaching decision by one Mike Stoops. One of many that it was. that plagued his part career. Of, <laughs> part of why he's not uh, still there or wasn't there much longer after that. Yeah, let's let's look. So fourth quarter, Mike Jones makes a touchdown catch. I remember Mike Jones had a diving touchdown catch to put us up ten. Yeah, that was after, by the way, ASU had to settle for two more chip shot Weber field goals in this game, a yeah. 19 and a 21-yarder. A familiar, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. He may, so I mean, 10. Cliff Kingsbury would blush at the foregone fourth down opportunities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We go up 10, they get it back. They get first and goal at the six. We sack Tuitama, legendary Willie Tuitama. Uh, third and goal at the 15, though he rushes for 13 yards. We get to, they get to the two. Admittedly, fourth and goal at the two, okay, I can, but with two minutes to go, the play there is probably kick the field goal, take the points. And they did not, and he throws an incomplete pass. We get the ball, we do nothing with it. They have time for one score, but not time for two, which is what they needed. Yeah. Uh, for ASU, the running game again struggled. Dimitri Nance, 22 for 58. Yeah. Keegan those, Herring. Those really good running numbers from early in the season had completely disappeared by the latter part of the season. Yeah. The uh, the big play, I guess, would be McGahey had six for 83 receiving. Yeah. And, uh, and Jones had the touchdown catch, I remember. Tyrese Thompson, the late Tyrese Thompson, uh, had a touchdown catch, I think, in the second quarter. A mm-hmm. leaping, like a circus catch type play. Yeah. Um, we We haven't done this in a while. Uh, but we talked about in, in the first season we did uh, the random player from this team that, you know, still sticks out. For me, it's Mike yeah. Nixon on defense. The, oh, yeah. Well, Mike Nixon's a good ball player. He really was. He was uh, your classic college player. Um, Overachiever, you know, but, undersized. Yeah. Wasn't he like 25, 26 years yeah. old, maybe older? Because he had been a minor league baseball player. Mm-hmm. He was playing yeah, linebacker. He was, he was the smart guy. And just, yeah, just he's just one of those guys who... A good player. No, he really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a, uh, he was a heart and soul kind of player. Like, yeah. He wasn't going to play in the NFL, but, you know, he was a darn good college player. When he, he was kind of the, the predecessor to the Laiu Mokiola uh, yes. type player, yes. where it's like, oh, my God, everything's going to fall apart if Nixon's not playing. And, and it's like, but he's not, Agreed. he's not an all Pac-12, Pac-10 guy. No, but, no. Under, but yeah, the whole team was basically reliant on that guy being they in the were, lineup. He was, yeah, he was the, the, the coach on the field type guy, basically, that put everybody in the right place. Um, and yeah, he was, uh, he was a good player for that team for several years. Um, and, and 07, certainly, yeah, I mean, that, you know, like that team, it, it was, you know, it's not a bad team. I mean, it really wasn't. Like, we had, again, Terrain was good. Keegan Herring, Dimitri Nance. We had a, a stable of good running backs. 
Mike Jones, Chris McGahey were good receivers. Rudy was a third-year starter defensively. You know, we had Nixon, Travis Gaithel, Justin Tryon, who played the NFL. Gaithel played the NFL. Robert James, Omar Bolden. I mean, it was it was a solid team that Dirk had left. Honestly, most of those guys were guys who had been here the year before. Yeah, and it just seemed like everything had come together. We had the right coach. We had the right players. And okay, it was disappointing that we didn't quite win the Pac-10 this year, but boy, we were positioned for long-term success, or so we thought. Now, I don't know if this was the first step on the slippery slope or not, but we show up yeah. at the Holiday Bowl against yeah. a uh, nine and three Texas team and just get boat raced. Just get waxed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. That was a uh, see, that was a Texas team that was building something really good. We didn't. We did, you know, Texas had won the title in 05, and they, you know, as most title teams do, they lost a lot of guys. They had to kind of rebuild, and, um, and you know, they went 9-3 to that year. Colt McCoy was in his second year. But the, the next two years, I believe Texas lost two total games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they uh, went to the Fiesta Bowl the year that they had one loss. Um, and then the next year, they got to the national championship game, lost to Alabama. So that was a really good Texas program. We didn't quite know it at the time. Kind of the opposite of Cal. We thought Cal was really good. They weren't. Uh, Texas was like, well, this isn't a great Texas team. It was. They just weren't quite there yet. And they, that was the start of it for them. Yeah. But it was a beatdown. Uh, the, the score, I believe, was not, I mean, like we lost by 18. It was more lopsided than that, from what I recall. We put we put a couple garbage time scores up late. Yeah, I mean, it was 21-0 at the end of one, to give you yeah. a sense of how the game was unfolding. It was a beatdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was an absolute beating. Uh, Danny Sullivan played most of the fourth quarter, I recall, um, mm-hmm. and played pretty well, and even had Dan Bickley saying he should be the starting quarterback the next year, which, good God, if you ever needed something to discredit Dan Bickley, that's it. Because while Rudy wasn't perfect... He was much better than Danny Sullivan, as we came to find out in 2009 when Danny was the starting quarterback. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was an ugly game. Um, the game that, of course, is kind of famous for uh, Mac Brown's stepson going on the field and interfering with the ball in play, and then Texas denying that they knew anything about him. And also Kirk Herbstreit saying that Rudy Carpenter was taunting the Texas bus, which I've been told is not true from people I trust. Uh, so that was kind of a circus game, and and uh, it did go well for us. Correct. Um, was it the beginning of the start of the slippery slope? That's a good question. I, I would say the real beginning was next the next year when we lost to UNLV, but you might make a decent argument that it actually started there. Uh, it, it, you know, it, one could make a compelling case for that. Well, just it seems like all of the things about being exposed over the course of the season. Yeah. got distilled into that first quarter. We couldn't do anything, and we gave up 21 points through the air, yeah. on the ground. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it kind of, like, one could say it started with the Oregon game and just continued from there. Like, we, we kind of had a little magic going September and October. And and then we lost to Oregon, and then we lost at home to USC. Yeah, and I mean, it we, was like, eh, the we, belief is starting to go away. And then it was really exposed against Texas. Yeah, I mean, we finished the year two and three. Now, our three losses were right. against three good teams. Very good teams, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Oregon is misleading because Oregon didn't win another game after they played. I think they won their bowl game. But they, they lost the last three regular season games. But again, Dennis Dixon getting hurt was huge. 
they didn't have a quarterback capable of, of you know taking over for him, and and it was clear. Um, they were a really good team. USC, as we talked about, was really good, and Texas, you know, used that the core of that team to go you know something like twenty five and two the next two years. So they were good teams that we lost to, but it showed us that we were not at their level, and we thought we were, and then it, we was really exposed in two thousand eight. But we won't go too far ahead on that. Yeah. But uh, Matt, overall, that's good. Hopefully, next time we talk, we'll have a schedule to break yeah, down. Yeah, I think we will. I think supposedly I heard maybe Friday, so that'd be that'd be tomorrow. Um, you know, we'll we'll hope so. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll we'll keep going with these. Some we're not going to get through them all because we're going to be we're going to have a twenty twenty season, and that's the best news of all is that. Uh, we don't have to get all the way through 2019 before we talk 2021. That's very true. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.